It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Janine Bolin, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you so much. It's always so much fun when I finally get to chat with the folks down under. Always a lot of fun. And, of course, the fact that you're worldwide now. Oh, my gosh. Well done. Well, through the blessing of technology, we have connected a few times now, and I'm very proud to share with our audience that you have had a wonderfully profound impact in my life, and maybe we can explore some of the things you do and uh, and how that might impact other people's lives. My My first question is this, why is structure so important in your life? Well, I'd just be a puddle on the floor without it, right? You have to have bones if you're going to have structure. And why is it important in my life? Because I know that I came onto this planet to get a lot of stuff done. I know I will never get it all done. I know I will be forever incomplete. But I absolutely love setting up girders of structure with which to create from. So you always have to have a skeleton. I mean, even uh, cosmology is recognizing cosmic strings for the universe. So, yeah, structure is important in my life because to me, it's just a microscopic version of all that is. Well, you can't argue with that. (laughs) And you touch on some string theory there. Do you have an explanation of what string theory is for the layman? Okay. Well, um, please realize my training is analytical biochemistry, but I absolutely am in love with cosmology and physics. So that's a hobby for me. Um, But string theory is where we are understanding how the cosmos, such as cosmology, Stephen Hawking, that sort of thing, uh, how that intersects and works with quantum mechanics and micro theory of the universe. And the challenge is, in the world of physics, there are two singularities. Singularities are the areas where what we know of the universe clash and do not coexist peacefully with our understanding of mathematics and physics. And those singularities are black holes and the creation of the universe. (laughs) And those two areas are where the great big picture of cosmology needs to coexist peacefully with the micro picture of subatomic theory and quantum mechanics. And unfortunately, there's a lot of theory and very little evidence. And so much of the work that is done at CERN now is getting that evidence so that they will exist co- coexist peacefully. 
Okay. So, <laughs> so, if, so string theory is what brought out a lot of that was it actually started working. And there was a physicist, actually, forgive me, a mathematician who won the field medal by the name of Ed Witten. And Ed Witten came up with M theory. And he took all these battling theories that were trying to hit it out to figure out which one is the best. And he created M theory, which brought them all together and showed that all these different theories were in actuality, describing the same theory from different perspectives. And he kind of rocked the world in 2009 with that. Okay. So I think that's a good explanation. <laughs> it's one of my favorite, favorite topics. <laughs> well, what I would love is if you, if you could share a real world example of that in motion or that in play. When you jump up and you land on the ground, how come you don't bust through the concrete? Why is that? Gravity is one of the weakest forces in the world. So how come you don't bust through the concrete? Well, that's due to electromagnetism and that kind of thing. And so when I was first shown that, combine that with the fact that if you drop a bowling ball and a soccer ball or a football off a roof, they both hit the ground at the same time. Those things were so inconsistent in my young childhood brain. I spent my life trying to learn what was going on because don't you think the bowling ball should hit first since it weighs pound, you know, yeah, weighs a lot more than a football. So anyway, so those are the types of things that, that set my brain in motion. And how does that tie into your spirituality, Janine? Well, I'm like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. I want to know the man behind the curtain. And so I was raised as a Catholic person, and I left the church at 18 and sought a different answer, and I did not give up. I meditated for 25 years straight, and I demanded that the universe you know, reveal itself to me because I wanted to understand the structure behind what I was experiencing as a three-dimensional human. And so that is kind of why the study of physics and subatomic theory and all that was so important to me was I wanted to know, uh, as Einstein said, I want to know the mind of God. <laughs> and when Einstein said, God does not throw dice, well, come to find out according to subatomic theory, God is quite the gambler. <laughs> so anyway, but as far as how does it fit in with spirituality, it fits in perfectly and beautifully. It all is describing the same thing. They just use different language. Science uses mathematics and mystics use metaphor. When you say God is a bit of a gambler, as a reformed hedonistic degenerate gambler myself, I'm quite curious to know what examples you might be able to share of that type of gambling. Probability theory, 
you know, you can't understand where an atom is, but you can determine how fast it's going, or you can determine where an atom is or an electron is, but you cannot determine its speed at the same time. It's those kind of inconsistencies, or as they say, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle and Schrodinger's cat and all these other, uh, they've become very layman's terms sorts of uh, examples, but those sorts of scientific discoveries are uh, basically sharing with you where God allows quite a bit of creativity from the part of the participants of reality to be able to build uh, probability and inconsistency into the model. So it's kind of cool when you think about it. Well, it's very cool. And am I getting the sense that we as as spiritual beings in a human form have a lot more control over the direction of our life than what people think. Correct, which is why structure is important to me. So, if you're, what is your understanding of what is happening in the universe in the world right now? Um, from my perspective, what is happening has been what has been forecasted for almost 100 years, over 100 years, where uh, the there was going to be a massive reset. Now, people thought it was going to be World War III. People thought it was going to be the world itself would flip upside down and the poles would be reversed and havoc would happen. Mystics for over 100 years have known something big was going to happen at, at the turning. And of course, they kept guessing and the time kept being extended. But eventually in 2020, uh, we experienced it. But this was something that had been prophesized for over a century. And when you start reading the stories and I go back and I reread these prophecies, I giggle because what happened was everybody knew about this event. They could feel the change. They could feel, and it was called the shift. I remember in 1987, mystics started calling it the shift when the shift happened. And I can't think of a bigger shift than us going from being very wide open, everybody running around different countries, flying all over the place to, okay, everybody stay in your houses for a while until we figure out what we're going to do <laughs> regarding a virus. Um, to me, it was the most gentlest shift we could have had. It wasn't a world war. It wasn't humans killing humans. It was a very natural, organic event. Now, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying as a scientist looking at this, um, I would have preferred this kind of shift to going into World War III. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy comparison, isn't it? Right. Do you, do you think, or I'll re-ask a question, sorry. Is this the same prophecy that has been in this, the biblical scriptures for a while? Well, that kind of depends on your point of view. I could say yes and no and be very much like a lot of mystics that answer a question with yes and no. From one perspective, uh, for folks who enjoy reading the Christian, uh, uh, new, what we call New Testament, um, Revelations was actually the story of self-awareness uh, of Maslow's um, 12 Steps of Self-Actualization with the different seals being broken and the different trumpets. I like to remind people, like, if you go back to St. John's time, who was writing revelations, um, the fastest thing on the planet was the speed of the ox. Okay. <laughs> the, the light that they were using were, was camel dung and, and 
oil lamps. And, you know, you have to remember where they were as mystics. And if you were to be enlightened, what kind of stories would you tell about your self-awareness that you're a multi multi-dimensional being? I mean, here I am as a uh, highly educated, highly trained woman in 2021, and I at least have metaphors of 12-dimensional space-time. I have the ability to talk in multi-dimensions and people understand what I am describing. And so when you talk about self-awareness or self-actualization at this stage, we still are res have to resort to metaphor, but the commonality of metaphor is at a higher understanding than it was back in St. John's time when people were literally scratching to get by and didn't understand that the plague was, you know, from uh, lice on uh, mice <laughs> or rats. <laughs> so anyway, just kind of wanted to bring us back to please remember when these scriptures and these prophecies were being experienced by the particular author of that uh, scripture and then realize what they were having to describe and use metaphor of. So something you'll see a lot of similarity is when people talk about self-actualization or self-awareness, uh, they use mountains. A lot of times they'll use a local mountain as you climb up the mountain, you stand at the top and you just know that you know that you know you've reached the top. You just know. Um, and then you were asking about the bigger picture. Uh, is this shift something that's been talked about for ages? And I could also say yes to that. Uh, but it depends on the perspective of the, of the person, whether the shift is your own internal personal shift of awareness and understanding about who and what you are versus a worldwide shift. So I don't know about you, but never in my lifetime did I ever think that the banking and financial institutions of the world would allow us to snap a picture of a check and allow us to deposit it based on a picture taken from my camera. <laughs> so this is a huge shift. We've had the technology, but our educational systems, our governmental systems, and our educational systems are the slowest systems to change. So they have been drugged, kicking and screaming into the 21st century based on this shift. So I basically hand the question back to you. It depends on your perspective. Well, it was more geared towards the, the Christian Bible, I suppose, and the end of times and the return of Christ, that type of thing. Uh, so I think that's a pretty good explanation, though. Uh, well, and please realize the return of Christ, uh, taken from a mystic's point of view, not from a scholar's point of view, but from a mystic, a spiritual experiencer of reality, uh, the return of Christ is when you yourself uh, are self-actualized, when you are self-aware. You have what's called Christ consciousness, and that's when you realize that you and God are one. Now, it's one thing to intellectually, you know, I could say that, God and I are one. It's totally different to totally know that as a personal truth. That is the second coming of Christ, is when you as an individual mystic realize that you are unified with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Ooh, that's deep. I've never <laughs> heard that perspective before, and I kind of like it. Do you, <laughs> how do you know you're close? Because you would never hurt another soul intentionally. It's so interesting that you say that. I I feel like my levels of 
empathy in the last few months, like with certain things are, are going up and up. There's a there's a section of me with a particular group of people that have their their minds locked into a particular belief, which I I don't think is correct, and they largely can't be helped. So what what do you do with those people, if you understand the question? I do understand the question. Please realize we have 8 billion people on this planet at this time, which means from a quantum mechanics point of view, we have 8 billion realities being created at any moment in time. And that the the whole reason we came to this planet as souls was because we wanted to experience life in a very specific way. So for the people who choose to experience life in a way that I would find small, non-helpful, harmful even, according to my worldview, I choose to focus on the communities of people who are more in alignment with what I want. And therefore, believe it or not, we can coexist peacefully on this planet because the frequency I radiate and the frequency those other people radiate are totally different. And because of that difference, if you tune in, like the old radio stations where you used to have to tune the dial to tune in, if you tune in to a specific frequency, your uh, experience of life will never cross paths with their experience of life because you are in uh, disharmony or um, you will cancel each other out. You will not cross paths. Do you think that the, the skill... The developing the skill of boundary setting is really effective at allowing you to be way more dialed in to these people on a similar vibrational frequency? Setting up boundaries against something puts you in direct harmony with it. Therefore, you drop to that level. You will dial into their frequency by not wanting it in your life. So it's very important that you focus on what brings you happiness and joy and you focus, focus, focus on what you do want because the more you focus on what you don't want, the closer it gets to you. So one of the jokes, I was sharing this with a a sweet lady, uh, a fellow mystic in South Africa. She and I talk about whenever we find ourselves focusing on things that do not bring us joy, uh, a perspective, or we see something that we don't wish didn't happen in our world, but it does happen in our world. What do we do to get ourselves feeling better? And her answer is, I don't know about you, Janine, but I turn up the music and dance. And that was something that she and I were both talking about, shaking it off, dancing, especially if we are in a position where there is no way we can make a change about whatever we're seeing that we find disharmonious. That's why I focus so much on focus on what's in your community. Focus on what you can do now. Focus on uh, what positive change can you make. And a lot of times it may be all I can do is love the people that are in my worldview more. That's all I have control over. And you have to remember that a lot of times the news media or governments or what have you uh, will focus, try to focus us on things that disempower us. I don't think it's intentional, but it's like, well, I, I as a single person can't do a wit to change this person's perspective. But what I can do is focus on what I'm supposed to do in this moment that will make me feel better. 
And then by feeling better, I increased the harmony in my own home, in my own world uh, experience. And that brings peace and harmony then to the others around me. And it sounds very idealistic. I've been accused of wearing rose-colored glasses and, oh, Janine, you're so airy-fairy, and that's not how the real world works. And I disagree very much because that's exactly how my world works. If I see something that I don't like, I immediately turn around and stare if need be, which is why I wear uh, certain pieces of jewelry or what have you. I stare at something I do like. And I look at this bracelet that my daughter has made me and took her three days to braid it just for me. And she put it on my wrist and I totally absorb myself in that memory And then I drive out the things that I don't want to see. And then when I look up, the field has changed and I have a different set of people in front of me and a different experience is manifesting. I know that is going to help a lot of people and that that, like including myself in that as well, where where we are (laughs) based right now is in the heart of some of the most tumultuous times in Australia's history. Uh, there is literal riots happening within a couple of kilometers of where 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 I live in the city here, and the the, the helicopters are up in the air for like twelve hours nonstop, and you can hear sirens. And there's, I stopped watching the mainstream media a, a while ago, and even the alternate media, I've had to dial down. And, and then just focus on exactly what you were talking about. And I know for people that are watching or listening to this now that have been caught up in the tsunami of fear that is that is being um, perpetuated in the world right now, in addition to what you've already said, is there any tips that you could share that will help someone who's really struggling right now? Yes, I, I have some things that help me. And so if they help me, maybe they'll help them. Uh, They'll help other people. That's always my goal. It's like, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just a, I'm just a mom of four kids and I am a scientist by training. And I happen to be a mystic, which is somebody who practices a type of yoga that allows you to take, um, to have more control over your mind and your heart. Um, And so anything that I can offer uh, to help folks let's talk about anxiety. I know people say fear, but a lot of people aren't feeling uh, fear so much as anxiety. It's that um, miasma of fear. It's like almost a a cloud, something you can't quite touch. And it kind of puts you in a state of anxiety. I highly recommend for people like that, that you immediately start doing something you enjoy. If you like to draw funny cartoon figures, start drawing. If you enjoy sewing because it's highly repetitive and you can tune out the helicopter noises, I recommend you do it. If you need to do something that has a lot more activity, then I recommend you turn up the music and dance, as my uh, South African friend says, because uh, you need to get get rid of all that nervous energy. And then once you calm down, take a deep breath and, okay, so what can I do now to feel better? And you go do it. Uh, sometimes it's Janine, go make a hot cup of cocoa. I'm lucky I have hot running water, (laughs) you know, not everybody has that, but you know, I can go make myself a hot cup of cocoa. And then it's like, okay, Janine, uh, I'll say, what can I do now to feel better? What can I do now to feel better? I really bring myself into the present moment. And that helps keep the anxiety at bay because 
We don't know what the future is going to be. We don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. But what do I have control over? I've got control of my now, my moment right now. And because I have control of this moment right now, that's what I focus on. And it's amazing how much clarity I have. It also is amazing just how much more calm I can be. And so people tell me all the time in a crisis, they're just like, oh my gosh, how can you be so calm? I'm like, because it doesn't do any good to be anything else. You know, I've lived through enough life uh, challenges. I've lived enough life that I know to be anything but calm is not serving anyone, most especially myself and my children. So I, I will calm myself. So when you find yourself getting anxious or put into a state of fear, sometimes something will trigger you and it will throw you into your past. And all of a sudden, you're on your butt looking up at an angry parent that used to beat the crud out of you or whatever. Something triggered you and, and you're thrown into a place that is not good in your memory. Put yourself back in the present. Stand up if necessary. Some people actually get so triggered they fall on the floor because of the trauma of that past event. And so what you do is you stand up, get yourself physically out of that moment. And if you're on a train or something in a group of people and you can't move, then mentally breathe differently. Uh, I highly recommend you breathe out. You go breathe out real quick and then breathe in. A lot of people say, take a deep breath in. Well, if you're in a triggered moment, that doesn't help the vagus nerve. And by helping the vagus nerve, you want to get out of that fight or flight response. And the way to do that is to exhale and then breathe in. And that calms the vagus nerve. Don't ask me why it works. It just does. <laughs> I don't understand the, the chemistry behind that. But I do know it helps calm you from fight or flight and get you out of that triggered moment. Then start focusing very heavily on something that brings you joy, which is why I always wear uh, a bracelet that somebody has made me, or I have a book with me at all times that is a comfort to me. What is your comfort thing? And if you'll notice, a lot of kids have backpacks that have those swinging soft toys on a key ring or what have you on their backpacks and stuff. Those are very helpful. I, I talk to a lot of people under the age of 18, and that's something that they use. So figure out what you want to put on your briefcase or in your, in your purse or whatever is your carry-all that uh, is something that you can physically look at and focus on and literally tune out the rest of the world. Because in that moment, the most important thing is for you to get back into a state of confidence and calm. Yeah. And what goes on in the vagus nerve doesn't stay in the vagus nerve, does it? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> Unlike the other So that's vagus. one of my favorite. I know that's one of my very favorite things. It's like, because that's the one that like kicks a lot of the fight or flight stuff. And so if you get triggered physiologically, you need tools to calm that down. And just thinking is not enough. <laughs> What a wonderful, wonderful, helpful description. And to give people an idea of the impact that you've had in my life, it was through this meeting of Janine that uh, I ended up down this pathway and recently read a book, uh, Messages from the Master by Dr. Brian Weiss, which I would highly recommend you read if you have any inkling of any spirituality, which I think most people do. And it's, it's alleviated any fear of any death for me. And, and I said off camera how impactful that feeling of, I didn't know that I had a fear of death. It wasn't anything that I really thought about a lot, but it was obviously there because now it's gone. I can feel the weights come off. And it's allowed me just to be at peace with everything. 
and the the fear and the the anxiety of which I'm pretty damn good at managing. I've got to say, I run a lot, and that's my meditation, and and uh, you know, I eat a lot of good quality food that, that gives me all the amino acids to create all the the hormones and the chemicals in my body that'll allow me to feel good, you know. And uh, that's been a real important part for me. In addition to this this amazing mum raising all these kids, you are a syndicated radio host who is taking over North America and soon to be the world. You've published multiple books. And I know people listening to this that are really resonating with who you are will be like, I want to get to know this person more. Of your four, is it four books I think you've released uh, that are available oh, public? Yeah, um, I've released under four genres, so 10 books as of this month. I wrote book number 10, yeah. Okay. Are they under uh, a, mon- a moniker? Like what do you call it when you write under another name? Oh, no. No, they're all under Janine Bolin. It's just, yeah, I've had three different publishers, so that's why. <laughs> Right, we need to talk to Amazon.com today over here to get, make sure that all your books come up. What what book would you recommend that they read with regards to what you're just talking about now? First. So when it when it comes to how to help yourself out, I would highly recommend you get the book Expressing the Divine. And it's volume three in the Divine series that I wrote. But that is the book that has every single meditation technique, every single uh, little tip I use to keep myself in a place of feeling better. So like um, I have exercises you can do in the mirror. I have the different meditation techniques because I was meditating for over 25 years. And there were a lot of traditional meditations that my body was like, skip this noise. We've got to find a shortcut (laughs) because I just really felt that some of the more traditional techniques, um, although helpful in the culture they were designed for when we transferred them over to Western uh, civilization, and the high-speed nature of our lives, I was like, there has got to be a way because we're in the quantum era. So I always was looking for something faster and just as effective. And so all of that is in the third volume of the Divine series. It's called Expressing the Divine. And all of those links will be in the show notes and in the YouTube as well. Yesterday, Janine, I spoke to Patrick Carroll, who I've spoken about to you just earlier who is also a shaman and specializes in very specific cases of childhood sexual abuse and any um, rape uh, victims. And he said something really, really interesting to me with regards to the whole quantum mechanics, uh, of which he said there's, there's a number of scientific articles and papers that are being made available now. But he said quantum mechanics is just technology we don't understand yet. And And why I thought that was so interesting is that if you took an iPhone and gave it to someone in 1975, you would probably have been burned at the stake and called a witch. And and I know some people listening, if they made it through this far, might be thinking, come on, Janine, like, do you really believe all this stuff? And I, and if, you, if you'll allow me to share in previous conversations, the meditation that Janine did for 25 years resulted really in the the separation of you and your husband that's how powerful that's how 
onto it you were. Are you able to explain a little bit about that? So I was married to my college sweetheart for 30 years, and I still very much love him. And he is still within a mile of his children. So it wasn't, it was very uh, as amenable, uh, amenable, however you want to say that, uh, as, you, as you could be. However, I could not stay married because the type of person that um, I had become and understood myself to be, uh, I could not get back into the box of the labels that he had for me. So he actually would say things like, I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't even understand why you have this perspective because I had uh, changed very, very much. You know, you talked about you no longer have fear and you felt the the fear of death and you felt the weight rise off your shoulders. You know, you just don't have that weight anymore. Well, your frequency has changed. Okay. And so for our particular relationship, there was so much that I had removed out of my uh, field, if you will, that I no longer was in harmony or resonanced at, res- resonated as the type of person that my husband felt comfortable being around. And so we ended up getting uh, divorced, but you know that was seven years ago. And there are times he'll ring me up and say, hey, do you want to go grab breakfast? Or, you know, I mean, so we've been able to walk through that uh, because even as a as an enlightened uh, person, you still don't want to do harm. But I also knew that my spiritual mission or my purpose on this planet was not going to allow me to play by the same rules that I had agreed to. And I told him that I said, I understand I had agreed to this sort of life with you. Uh, Unfortunately, I know so much more about myself now. And so I wasn't able to articulate it as well as I am now because, (laughs) but at the time that it happens to you, you're kind of jelly in the head because you're just like, wow, you know, you're trying to integrate uh, many lifetimes of understanding that come to you in that moment. So that's not true anymore that people have to get divorced. Um, Please realize I was married for 30 years while I was meditating and the changes were happening all along the way. Nowadays, I coach people that are starting to wake up, if you will, or become self-actualized. And I talk a lot to their spouse and we work out plans who, so they understand what's happening. Now, sometimes those people decide to uh, divorce anyway, because they're moving in such different directions. But I'm starting to run into more and more couples who are they're waking up together because they both decide to meditate and they both decide they want to experience this growth together. Well, that was that's kind of unheard of back in uh, just you know seven years ago, right? So it's uh, an amazing exp- um, change. I'm starting to see more and more as a mystic, and so I tell people, yeah. I had to get divorced, but please realize that was before 2020. After 2020, all bets are off. The rules are all different. In case you haven't seen, all the rules are different. Everything is changing. There's no reason why we have to do it an old way. And thank you for sharing that that part of your life as well. And I think it's really important that the relationship that I have with my darling Anna is that I feel so unbelievably blessed that she is also on this path of of self-actualization and, and we are growing. And at times, just recently, I feel like she's she's shot up. And uh, But I know because of the general direction that we're going, at least at this point, that we are, we are supposed to be, as you very well say, exactly where we are. 
And and I suppose this ties into that comment regarding the boundary setting. And maybe I didn't word it correctly. It's it's not it's not that you are wanting to hurt anyone. It's just you want to be more around the people that are resonating at that same frequency. Okay. So two things I'd like to share with you. The first one is when you were first speaking of your beloved and how she shot up, please realize growth happens that way and don't feel like you're being left behind. That's something I coach a lot of people about when you have two of you working together towards self-actualization and you are a mated pair, however that looks, um, realize one of you is going to grow and then the growth will stop and then the other will grow and back and, and it will go back and forth and just treat it like a garden. Not all the sunflowers grow to the same height. It doesn't mean they stop being sunflowers or stop being appropriate for each other. Okay. So I just wanted to share that. That's the first thing. The second thing, as far as boundaries are concerned, it's one thing to set boundaries on who do I bring into my worldview and who I don't. Okay. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Um, there are individuals who are not allowed to come into my home, period. That's a boundary, right? Why did I set those? Well, I was very uh, systematic and very uh, conscious and aware of the, that decision, and I don't change that decision. That's setting a boundary. But also, um, I had to learn how to set boundaries because in my family, you weren't allowed to have them. And so only mom and dad could set the rules for boundaries. So as you move through your own life experience, when you just choose to set boundaries, a lot of them stem from fear, things you don't want to have happen. Well, you don't need to set a boundary against those. If you don't want something to happen, make sure you set up whatever you need to be safe and then forget about it and focus on what you what you have fun with, such as if you're worried about somebody breaking in because you've had your house broken into, get yourself a security system and forget about it. Like, you know, make it a routine, but don't focus on that. If one of my favorite things about the Harry Potter series of, of books of the magician is that you have the muggle charms, which were spells, magic spells that they would use to keep normal people who didn't have magic skills away from their stuff. How did they do it? By distraction, right? Nothing happened to them. So set up boundaries so that nobody's ever going to look at your stuff. You know, nobody's ever going to look at your home or what have you, because uh, you've set up a, a muggle charm, if you will. So boundaries, there's a lot of good books on how to set them, especially if you're a very traumatized person, uh, you will want to, to set that up. But if you are a mystic, whenever somebody says you need to protect yourself or you need to set boundaries, I'm like, oof, please remember this universe is set up on attraction. Everything about gravity, everything about <laughs> everything we do is attraction Based. So what you focus on as a mystic or as a spiritual person, what you focus on grows. What you focus on comes into your worldview. And you are lucky because you're in a three-dimensional body, instead of it manifesting instantaneously, you do have the buffer of time so that you can realign or refocus. So if you catch yourself daydreaming about something catastrophic, <laughs> you can kind of go, whoa, what am I doing? And then just fo just change your focus. You'll be okay. You got the buffer of time. You don't have to panic. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is brilliant advice. Brilliant advice, Janine. Where can people find you? 
I am best found on LinkedIn. And you just go to Janine Bolin on LinkedIn and ask to connect with me. And please say that, hey, I heard about you on Become Your Own Superhero with LaVon Dishburn. And, I, and I'll say, tell LaVon hi for me. <laughs> and sure, I'll be glad. I'll be glad to connect with you on LinkedIn. Do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? Yes. Lighten up. Stop taking life so seriously. Believe it or not, when you were first born to this planet, you wanted to have fun. You wanted adventure. You wanted the whole roller coaster ride. You wanted the highs. You wanted the lows. One of the things I highly recommend is that you focus on the life that you want, the adventure that you want. And so realize, don't be so serious about it. Find ways to laugh at yourself. Find ways to make fun of the decisions you've made in the past. And please don't beat yourself up. How were you supposed to know that Uncle Harry was going to react in the way he did? Or how were you supposed to know that so-and-so's, uh, you know, dog had just recently died and you reminded them of that. You know, it's like we beat ourselves up for not being omniscient when we forget we all get the big mind wipe <laughs> when we when we come to this planet and we kind of stumble around and figure it out. But the folks that seem to be having the most fun are children and 80-year-old people who are learning a new skill. So what do they know that we don't know? Well, they know that life is precious. And they know that every breath we take is awesome. So just lighten up a little bit, learn to laugh at yourself, and don't forget to turn up the music and dance. Ladies and gentlemen, Janine Bolin. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.